Well, good afternoon, everyone. The H1B Guy here, and today, the H1B Guy Live, August 2nd, 2023. And I'm joined by Mob Squad's RF Kamani and Neil Zhu. And we're going to discuss the second H1B lottery that just occurred, as well as Neil's journey through failed lottery attempts and utilizing Mob Squad to relocate to Canada. But before we get started, I'd like to ask you, if you haven't already, to please subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube and like this video so that I can continue to produce more content like this for you. I also wanted to mention the H1B Guy offers a variety of consulting services. I help businesses and individuals solve complex work authorization issues in the recruitment process while bringing awareness to employment-based immigration benefits. If I can help you, please reach out. I'd love to hear how. And you can book an appointment directly with me via the h1bguy.com. Today's live stream is brought to you exclusively by Mob Squad. Are you a technology professional facing U.S. work visa-related challenges? Don't leave your fate up to chance. Our partner, Mob Squad, has a solution. Join the squad. And we'd also like to thank our partners, perm-ads.com, as well as Syndesis and Path to Canada. Well, as I mentioned earlier, I'm joined by RF Kamani, President COO of Mob Squad. RF, I believe this is the third time now um, that you've been able to join me for a live stream. And, you know, we always greatly value your insight um, into not only the H-1B visa here in the U.S., but as well as the GTS uh, program and Pass to Canada that Mob Squad provides. And very excited to join in Neil here with us today, um, who is a Mob Squad employee, uh, had previously worked in the U.S., experienced failed lottery attempt, and uh, is a, a very high-skilled designer that now finds himself living and working in the U.S. So the timing couldn't be any better today for uh, our live stream, and, and really excited to uh, to have these two individuals join me here today. So wanted to just jump right into it, Arif and, and Neil, and, and that is, you know, last Thursday, um, July 27th, very early in the morning, uh, WR Immigration kind of broke the news um, that USCIS was going to hold a second H-1B lottery. It was going to be announced pretty quickly. Later that afternoon, USCIS confirmed that they would hold a second H-1B lottery, in their words, soon. And I was pretty bullish in some of my content leading up to uh, last week about my opinion on I didn't think there would be a second lottery, kind of based on the previous year, as well as the number of registrations that, that they selected overall. However, as many of you loved to remind me, I was wrong on that as USCIS um, then held a second H-1B lottery. Um, I started receiving confirmations very early uh, on Monday morning, which was July 31st, uh, from numerous sources that the second lottery, second random selection had been held and was completed and registrations had been notified. And, and RF, you actually uh, brought it to my attention because I had missed this and I'd seen some data out there, but USCIS confirmed 77,600 additional registrations uh, were selected in this kind of the second round, which brought the overall selections for fiscal year 2024 over 188,000. 
So let's get right to the, the biggest question of the hour. And that is, if I wasn't one of these 77,600 that was selected on Saturday or Monday, whenever the selection took place, what are my options? If I'm an individual who may be facing um, uh, an expiration or potentially going out of status, what are my options if I want to stay with my current employer? Yeah, thank you. Um, that's that's very helpful context, and um, you know it's something that uh, you know we we can certainly help with, and, and I'll get into that. But uh, you know, even even though the size of the second lottery was much bigger than I think we initially expected at seventy seven thousand, if you look at the number of eligible registrants, registrants, which was over seven hundred and fifty thousand, it still means that even with this selection, about ninety percent of the remaining candidates were still not selected in the second lottery. Uh, and about 75% overall were not selected. So your, your odds of being selected were still relatively low because the number of registrations was way higher than in any previous year. So while they, you know, picked more in the second lottery, there's still 90% of people probably out there trying to figure out what to do with this, with this day. Um, so, I mean, you're generally, I think, in one of three groups. So you're either on uh, a STEM OPT visa, for example, and you have multiple chances at the lottery. And if this was your first or second chance, you may have an opportunity to, to take part in the lottery again uh, next year or the year after even. Uh, but there's two groups that are, uh, you know, in, in a tough situation at this point. If it was your last attempt on a STEM OPT or an OPT visa um, and you are basically only able to stay until that visa now expires, mm-hmm. or if you were abroad and were hoping to use the H-1B lottery to come into the U.S., uh, you're effectively unable to do so if you, if you weren't selected at this point. Um, and so options for that are, you know, there are uh, what we would like to call suboptimal options to, to stay in the U.S. if you happen to be there, which is to enroll in a day one CPT school, for example, where uh, you can technically extend your stay because you're, you're mm-hmm. within an educational visa. But those can be costly. Those can be time consuming. And it's hard to balance that with work and everything and, and doesn't really guarantee your status long term. It just prolongs uh, this potentially until the next lottery. Um but, you know, other options that we would like people to consider, obviously, is, is a path to Canada. So whether you mm-hmm. are in the U.S. and can't stay or abroad and couldn't get in, uh, through Mob Squad, we're able to get expedited work permits for those that are uh, technology professionals as well as, as well as several other engineering fields uh, within four to six weeks. Mm-hmm. And if, if you've seen an announcement recently in Canada, they have actually returned to expedited processing. So all of the backlogs that were there over COVID are now clear. And we have, you know, I can speak from personal experience, successfully been able to get work permits over the last uh, little while here in that four-week time span. And mm. so uh, even if you have a tight deadline where you're in the U.S. and you can't stay for very long, uh, we would encourage you to reach out because we can we can make that work within a short period of time. And the way that this works is we become your employer in Canada. You work with our, on our payroll, on our benefits, with our company, out of our offices. You're part of our team. So you can continue to support that U.S.-based company and provide them with technical services on an exclusive and long-term basis. So the company gets to keep working with you, you get to keep working with the company, uh, and you get to pass to Canada. And importantly, we can put you on a path to permanent residency within about a year, which is which is mm-hmm. really, really different than the, than the U.S. system. Yeah, and, and you do all of that through the global talent stream, which I want to make sure we clarify. I know we've, we've talked about it many times over. I refer to it as GTS. Uh, global talent stream is, is basically a temporary technical um, you know, work permit in Canada. Uh, there are 
clearly defined fields or specialty occupations as we like to refer to them as here. Um, RF, you and I talked about this back in, in January, some of the expansion of the field, some of the engineering and um, uh, categories that, that they added. But really for m my audience and, and my target demographic, folks that consume my content here, a lot of which are in the tech and STEM space. Um, so it falls right into to the GTS. And one of the things that I've seen too, you talked about the processing that I wanted to highlight again, when we first had you on this platform almost two years ago, it was almost 12 weeks to process right. the GTS. And then it was eight and then we were six and now we're in this four to six. So we all kind of a return to normalcy for the GTS platform and program and, and entry and um, gaining work authorization into Canada. Uh, you know, to me, it's really, I think from, I'd say initiation to when somebody could physically be living and working in Canada. We used to talk about 60 days RF, but I think that feels more like probably six weeks now, which is two weeks less than, um, you know, when we first started talking about it. So it can happen a lot quicker than I think a lot of folks um, anticipate or, or estimate. Um, and I know the IRCC was very bullish on reducing processing times. And that was something that, um, you know, we've seen them, uh, you know, go out into the public forums about. And, you know, I, I know that that's, that's something that you guys with your unique partnership with the Canadian government allows you to process, um, you know, those cases in a, in a much more expedited format. So, I had Judy Husbands on with me back at the end of June, and we briefly discussed, you know, some of the announcements that came out from the IRCC, one of them being this H-1B open work permit, H-1B OWP um, that Canada was opening up for 10,000 individuals beginning on July 16th. My understanding was that literally the number of applications within a matter of a couple of days far exceeded the availability. So kind of a similar question to the H-1B lottery here, which is if you were somebody who was interested in that H-1B OWP, how can Mob Squad help those applicants um, that may have not been selected or individuals that may have missed that, that application window that might not have an employer who's looking to relocate them to Canada? Yeah, I know you're completely right. So they announced that program uh, on uh, June 27th, along with a slew of other announcements. And it obviously got a lot of press. Uh, it opened, I believe, on July 16th. And within 48 hours, the entire uh, allotment of 10,000 slots was completely filled and, and overfilled. So uh, that, that program for, uh, for specifically targeting H-1B uh, holders is now uh is basically closed in canada for the time being so it's been fully realized in terms of in terms of being able to fill it with with folks um and so there's still a few options for for those that are looking for um you know a path to canada so obviously what we talked about at the top through mob squad is definitely one um where um the global talent stream work permits that you mentioned are still available it is an uncapped program and it runs year-round and so those that may have been eligible for the uh, H-1B program that was announced are almost certainly eligible for the Global Talent Stream because, as you said, it covers almost all tech occupations. So mm -hmm. uh, software engineers, developers, web developers, uh, data scientists, and, and as Neil will describe later, even designers as well, as long as they're digital mm -hmm. designers. Um, it's a pretty broad group, and they expanded it to other engineers as well, like 
civil engineers and electrical engineers and mining engineers as well. So yep. it, it's a, you know, it should cover basically those that had H-1Bs. Um, and so the most optimal path, if you want to do this, uh, is to have a company that wants to work with you, whether it's your current company or a future company, because that makes that process a lot easier for us to then, you know, go ahead and, and, and process everything. Uh, if that's not the case for you, we do have a talent roster as well that you can join. And so if you go to our website, uh, there'll be a section just called join mob squad and there'll be, you know, six or eight jobs that are always listed there that we're, uh, always intaking great candidates for. Uh, and mm -hmm. if you, you know, kind of meet the criteria in terms of behavioral and technical screening, and if you, you know, if we're able to match uh, your profile with clients that are interested in, in you know, adding uh, individuals to, to provide services, then, um, you know, that's another path in. So mm -hmm. we'd encourage you to do that. Uh, otherwise, if, if this doesn't work. Um, and, you know, a, a, another path that is going to come, and, and, and I'll tease it here just because it hasn't been fully uh you know all the details aren't fully out but as part of that june 27th announcement uh there were other employer specific streams that were available that were announced that would actually be lmia exempt uh so the details of those are actually supposed to come out before the end of this year so i would anticipate in the in the winter um, mm -hmm. but you know we could potentially do a future webinar where they'll actually add paths that are uh beyond the h1b stream they announced and beyond the global talent stream that exists including you know into a new uh, potential area uh, that mm -hmm. would allow for up to five-year work permits um, that would not require an LMIA. So there's some there's some interesting things that are coming as well. Wow. Yeah, and this is, I've, I've covered it a lot, and you and I have talked about it. I mean, clearly, you know, Canada as a whole is all in on, on high-skilled talent acquisition. Um, you see that through their multiple streams uh, and, and these announcements where they're, again, you know, very bullish on this. I did want to just emphasize one thing that you and I have talked about. It's been a pretty consistent theme, not only here in the U.S., but as well as Canada. If you don't have an employer and you're looking to go through that mob squad talent, little slower burn right now. You know, hiring as a whole, definitely still down, not only in Canada, but but here in the U.S. We look at new jobs added, the report that came out um, for, for June here in the U.S., number of new jobs added, still, still relatively low. I do expect on the back half of the year that to pick up not only here in the U.S., but but in Canada as well. So if your employer is not willing to relocate you, but you're looking to use um, a, a first class organization like Mob Squad, a little patience on on that end as, as you work through the recruitment process, I think is is worth mentioning. Um, I also just wanted to mention, I know there's a few questions, a couple comments already in the chat. If you do have questions for Araf or from, for Neil as, as we work through this, um, you know, please feel free to drop those. And, and of course, I can send to them as well. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the H1B Guy channel, like this video, make sure you have the bell uh, click for notifications so that you're notified anytime we do go live like we have here today on august 2nd 2023 so wanted to turn um the attention to to you neil and you know really appreciate you taking time to to jump in here this afternoon uh can you share your story with us where are you originally from and why did you initially come to the us yeah thank you robert uh, so I am from China. Uh, I came to US uh, in 2015 for master degree and the beginning for architecture and then I switched to tech. So for uh, now I'm working as a UX designer. Uh, the, the initial reason I came to US it was basically because it had most of the high ranking universities that I can pursue mm -hmm. and also it can be a 
you know, everyone were pursuing schools mm-hmm. in the US and working there. Yeah. So came to the US to get your master's. Where'd you go to school? Uh, I went to University of Michigan and got University of Michigan. Yep. One of the largest alumni bases in the U.S. and, you know, definitely what I'd say a, a top 25 school. So got your human factors UX master's degree. Is that right? Uh, it, yeah. It's like science and information. In okay. Okay. So um, master's of science, information, user experience, went on to an OPT, I assume, and, and started working here in the U.S.? Right. In 2019, I got my OPT. And then in 2020, I started with my STEM OPT for mm-hmm. the, yeah, uh, w- which expired till uh, 2022 uh, in okay. So you had three years, 36 months, once your OPT started, you were working as a full-time employee. How many H-1B lottery attempts did your employer put you through? Actually, I uh, went through two in uh, uh, the one for 2020 and 2021. Mm -hmm. So actually, I got the 2021 uh, lottery, Mm -hmm. but uh, actually the lawyer kind of messed that up and didn't really communicate that to to me and my uh employer in u.s back then mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah so 2020 and 2021 was uh, an interesting time frame for the lottery it was when the electronic registration period um and kind of that portal first started was in 2020 uh two s- selections were held that year three were actually held in in 2021 ended up being selected, but due to some some complications with the filing, application was not submitted. And so we're facing going out of status, I assume. So when did you realize you had a problem? Oh, um, that was actually the May last year, which was only like one month uh, from the due date of my STEM OPT. And mm. that was really a horrible experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So realized you had a problem. I'm sure you went to one of two places and that's either Google or, or YouTube. So how did you find out about Mob Squad? Uh, so it was also a long story, but I, let me try to keep that short. Uh, first, I reached out to friends uh, who introduced me to some more reliable uh, immigration lawyers in U.S., and then uh, they worked with my former employer, um, relocating me to Canada, because mm-hmm. at that time we thought uh, my uh, former company had a branch in Canada which can directly uh, relocate me to. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, we realized that um, we couldn't due to the format of the, our, uh, how our company worked in Canada. And then mm-hmm. the US lawyer recommended Mob Squad to us. Okay. Awesome. So did they connect you with Mob Squad? Did you reach out on your own? Walk me through that process. Uh, I think the lawyer, uh, the U.S. lawyer uh, mm-hmm. introduced Mob Squad to both me and my uh, former employer. And I think uh, the HR in my uh, company uh, reached out um, mm-hmm. or like had a conversation with Mob Squad at the beginning. And then mm-hmm. maybe um, 
I'm actually not sure how long they have discussed about uh, all this process, but mm -hmm. I was introduced to Moskva uh, personally at the end of September mm -hmm. uh, when I was uh, already uh, left uh, US. I, I was staying in Mauritius for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, so I got introduced uh, in the end of September and uh, we signed contract, I think on October 5th. Mm -hmm. And only like a week later, uh, MobScope helped me uh, submit the Limia. Mm -hmm. And uh, then uh, I think after a month, I submitted the work permit uh, application, but that could actually be much faster for most of other cases. In my case, mm -hmm. there are compli uh, other complicated. But after I submitted that, within a month, I got the permit. Awesome. So through all of this process, as you were introduced to Mob Squad and discussion of relocation of of your current role and, and becoming an employee of Mob Squad, what was the most important thing for you through the entire process? Uh, I think for me, it was actually the support from my uh, my U.S. company and Mobsquad. Like they uh, they were willing to uh, to have me going through the the path of uh, that Mobsquad is uh, providing, mm -hmm. uh, and and then uh, Mobsquad has really done a very good job helping me relocating to Canada in a really mm -hmm. fast path, and mm -hmm. actually the. Uh, immigration company uh, Mobsquad is partnering with. They are also mm -hmm. very responsive. They give me a like experience that is on the completely different end compared to what I had in US. Mm. Yeah, I like to call it white glove service. RF, we've talked about that a lot, not only with you, but with Graham and Judy this year. And when I had Mary Grace on earlier, um, you know, we talked about how what makes mob squad unique is this white glove approach um to you really uprooting and relocating your life and you know how that can create a lot of anxiety and how you know they have a proven track record they've done this hundreds of times now and so the the format and the process to which they operate can help reduce that stress and anxiety on on you the the employee so let me ask you this question, and, and I think this is one that, that I, I always enjoy asking folks who have gone through the process with Mob Squad and, you know, have considered their options. And it's, it's really kind of a two-pronged question, Neil, and that is if you had to go back and do it all over again, what would you tell yourself before you came to the, the U.S.? And then once you came to the U.S., as you realized that you needed to seek alternate solutions, what advice would you give to individuals who are considering the same path that, that you've gone down? Uh, if I just, uh, so for the qu uh, first question, if I time travel back to advise my younger self. Yeah. Uh, I would ask him to maybe consider pursuing a master's degree in Canada. Yeah. Uh, well, um, mm -hmm. because uh, the immigration process here is much more friendly and smoother. 
uh, and like even if I just uh, going still going through the U.S. path, uh, I was asking to like be more cautious about the immigration lawyers. Just mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, don't uh, trust them uh, immediately. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. And for the second question, I think uh, the advice for people who who might be like me or uh, considering uh, pursuing Canadian paths. Uh, maybe is to kind of prepare earlier, uh, like, um, you know, um, to just uh, have conversations with your company to see if they uh, they would like to support you uh, or like reaching out to Moskwad mm-hmm. and getting to the pool to see if there are other employee employers mm-hmm. that, that would like to go through that path. Uh, but also, like uh, just on a personal side, uh, m- uh, moving through the Canadian immigration program, uh, you, uh, one thing that I think was a little bit uh, like notorious was that you have to take the English exams. So mm-hmm. maybe prepare those uh, mm-hmm. and some mental preparation on that. But uh, as long as you have worked in US in uh, English spoken countries, uh, I think that that is not a big deal. Right, because there's a, a points associated with, you know, the, the command of, of the English language. And it's very important. That's a, a weighted scale that has a, a lot of value in, in the overall points when you, you look at permanent residency. And that's a, a great point, Neil. And I think the other thing that you, you mentioned, two things. One, um, about pursuing a master's degree in Canada. There's a lot of data out there about the last couple of years um, where a lot of international students have specifically been choosing Canada over the U.S. for the reasons that you just laid out. Um, It's becoming one of the number one uh, destinations uh, for international students, kind of a 1A and B, if you will, when we look at U.S. still dominates the overall volume, but the gap that's been closed in Canada for international students over the last couple of years is significant. Um, And then the second thing you mentioned is having the conversation with your employer early on in the process and seeing if it's something that they would be open to considering. I think that's a really key. Transparency is key through all of this between you as the employee and your employer here in the U.S. and and seeing if that is something that, that they would consider because the cost of them losing you as an employee in a lot of cases is is outweighed by their ability to um, relocate you using Mob Squad as their employer of record in, in Canada. So I think it's something that a lot of U.S. employers now are much more open to this concept of, of nearshore parking. Um, and I know Mob Squad has multiple offices, Toronto, Vancouver. So it allows for different time frames depending on where your employer is uh, when we look at geographic regions and, and, and time zones. So I uh, really appreciate you sharing that. And, and I think it's very important for folks to hear uh, stories like yours where you've gone through lottery attempts, were selected, but failed application due to, to certain complexities. And as I always talk about here on this platform a lot, you have to have a good immigration attorney, but understand immigration attorneys here in the U.S. work for the employer. And I think a lot of folks, um, you know, don't realize that as as they work through the process. So um, 
Arf, what I want to do now is um, there was just a, a, a couple things I wanted to ask you. I know you briefly alluded to um, some some updates that could be coming out by the end of the year, sometime maybe this winter. Um, but I always like to, to ask, you know, what do you think the hiring demands look like for Canada, as well as any potential changes, which you've already briefly hit on to high uh, in Canada for the remainder of, of 2023? Yeah, so we'll start uh, with the immigration piece. Um, you know, I think the 48-hour, uh, you know, registration cap that was hit on the newly announced H-1B program just demonstrates that there's still tremendous interest from folks in, in, in uh, you know, coming to Canada and finding a path here. So, uh, you know, I think that remains really strong. And um, every indication is that Canada continues to and will actually become more supportive of uh, immigration uh, in tech and also in, in other fields as well. So uh, late June is when they announced their you know specific tech talent strategy, um, which announced that H1B program and announced the uh, the LMIA exempt program that that will be more details will be shared later this year. Um, but it also announced the return to regular processing times for global talent stream, which is where the majority of tech folks uh, are able to come into the country on on temporary foreign work permits if they have an employer. Um, and so that you know I think it was kind of the third headline behind some of the other announcements, but actually a big deal where, you know, instead of things taking three to six months, it, you know, it went back down to the four or four or five weeks that we're, we're used to seeing, which is great. Um, the other big thing that was, was announced and has now been implemented is category specific uh, express entry permanent residency draws. And so I know you've talked a lot about this on your channel around how Canada uses a points-based system factoring mm -hmm. in age, education, uh, language skills, uh, and work experience to figure out who they should uh, grant permanent residency invitations to apply to. Uh, what they've done recently is actually add category specific draws, which include uh, STEM, healthcare, trades, agriculture, um, you know, construction within kind of the trades bucket. Uh, so, and, and, the, and the last one being French language as well. So what they're gonna yeah. do is actually sub-select uh, folks within the express entry pool and if you are in within one of those occupations for that category draw, uh, you will be prioritized. Um, and you'll, that, what that means is that you could potentially have a lower score and still mm -hmm. get selected for PR. Uh, mm. And so, you know, this is really material. Uh, if you look at the average draws in the last few months, you've needed a score in the 480s to basically qualify. Um, mm -hmm. But some of these category specific draws, I've seen scores in the 430s and 460s and actually for French language in the 300s. Uh, mm. So, you know, if you happen to have French language ability uh, or you happen to work in trades, health or STEM, you should actually be advantaged uh, in upcoming draws. And that, you know, that there, there, there will be the next one, I think, is actually going to be for trades uh, with, with some of the construction fields that I had mentioned uh, earlier. So uh, all of this is to say that I think immigration will continue to increase in Canada and I think uh, it will become more and more friendly for uh, especially those in STEM and tech related fields as, as the tech mm -hmm. talent strategy bears out. Uh, in terms of hiring, I would say, um, you know, similar to what you said, it, it is slower than it was. Uh, the downturn in the market has disproportionately impacted tech companies. And so uh, funding is down for tech companies, which means that hiring is either frozen or down uh, for tech companies. But I do think that this will turn around. Uh, mm -hmm. Any of us who have been around long enough know that this is cyclical and that there are upturns and downturns. And tech mm -hmm. tends to experience that in more extreme versions. So when things are down, tech is down more. But when things go up, it tends to go up more. And so, you know, I'd expect in time as we start to see 
the IPO market open up, funding start to open up again, hiring will will reopen. And it doesn't mean that um, hiring is closed. There's still mm-hmm. massive shortages. There's still tens of thousands of open positions, uh, you know, in Canada and hundreds of thousands in the U.S. for tech occupations. And within certain pockets like generative AI, which has gotten a ton of hype, there's still really, really high demand for folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those with a lot of experience, like in data science or software engineering that have five to eight years of experience, there's still really, really high demand. And so um, it's definitely not as crazy as it was at, you know, the heights of 2000, 2000 sorry, 2020 and 2021, but uh, there's still, you know, uh, a lot of demand there for, for those occupations. Yeah. And, you know, if I look at, you talked about kind of the, the cycle, right? It, I think Canada was experiencing it a little earlier than we did here in the U S just from my personal experience, you know, you guys were probably more in that. It started December, January. It felt like here in the U S yeah, there was waves of layoffs, but in terms of the slowing, the softening, it felt more February, March. Mm -hmm. And that generally is an eight to 10 month cycle. So, you know, for you guys that puts you closer to the end of the year for us, it's kind of in a similar, uh, you know, time frame which i think will will lead into a stronger 2024 is is just you know my my forecasting um but no i think that's a great point rf i think that the interesting thing about uh the weighted values for certain categories and um the overall points and lower than usual points being selected as part of the draws is very interesting um, definitely something to keep an, keep an eye on for, for future state as well. Um, RF Raj had one question that I wanted you and I to take on, and then we'll, uh, we'll work on wrapping this up here. Um, he wanted to know our thoughts on if we thought that, that these actions that were taken, um, you know, to, to on multiple petition frauds, which is basically these multiple registrations. If we think that that's why uh, I'm assuming reading in between the lines, that's why there were 77,000, you know, 600 selected in, in a second lottery and that 188,000 total, as, as you mentioned on over 750,000. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I do think that that's a piece of it. Uh, if you actually go to the USCIS site where they announced the um, second lottery numbers, as well as the uh, number of total selections. Uh, it literally says there that based on evidence from the fiscal 23 and 24 cap seasons, USCIS has already undertaken extensive fraud investigations and denied and revoked petitions accordingly. And so yeah. I do think that, especially given the massive spike in registrations this year, especially multiple registrants, mm-hmm. um, they added several paragraphs about you know the potential punishments for doing so and also some measures that they've taken. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, it, it literally says that they believe that the decreased filing rate for the fiscal 2024 cap is indicative of these investigations that they're having an impact. So they're mm-hmm. basically yep. saying that that is, that is driving this. And so, yeah. um, it, the answer to that, I think is yes. Yeah. And I think too, to add a little color behind that, I think a lot of it too, what, what's more unspoken on the individual side and maybe even employer side is this fear of even though I have a legit application, I know I have an individual who potentially had multiple registrations. Is that going to create a notice of intent to deny? And am I going to spend thousands of dollars on an application for an individual who potentially had multiple registrations and there's just a blanket denial? So I think that's why to me, you're seeing 
this an exorbitant amount of additional registrations. I mean, I'm still speechless by it, Arf. I'm not gonna lie. Seventy-seven thousand in a second lottery when there's only eighty-five thousand slots. It tells me that even in the seventy-five thousand, they're probably expecting a less than fifty percent application rate, which is crazy if you think about the the number just keeps going up, um, and and that's where you know very clearly the h1b lottery system when they decided to go to this electronic registration was for the betterment of the individual and the petitioners the employers but it's created a, a gap for um a, a lot of companies to exploit the the system and unfortunately desperation and in individuals folks who may be going out of status like neil right, are willing to have multiple employers sponsor them because it increases their odds, even if only by a very small percentage. And so, you know, very clearly the need for reform is necessary. But one of the constant themes that we have here on this channel is that if the U.S. is your number one choice for destination, that's great. But you need to understand and your options if you come that you're going to um, you're going to 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 basically expire right you're going to run out of time um you're not going to have any time remaining whether that's on an opt or whether that's on an h1b um, you need to know what your options are uh and from a quality of life perspective from a uh a, a really a lifestyle and cultural perspective this is where canada makes the most sense it makes the most sense from time zones it makes the most sense from uh comparable compensation as well as cost of living expenses um the pathway to permanent residency through gts and express entry um is clearly defined as something Arf, I know you guys have had a lot of success with your employees and going through, and you have a proven track record um, that you can show to folks like Neil that says, look, you know, we're here to help you. We're here to help your employer, um, and we'd love to welcome you. So I really appreciate both of you, you joining in here today. One thing I did want to mention, Arf, and you talked about earlier, um, if you do want to find out more about Mob Squad, please be sure to use the link in the video. If you go to Mob Squad directly, let them know you heard about them from here on the H1B Guy channel. Um, that will help you go to the front of the line, okay? So make sure that you let folks know um, where, where you heard about them from here, uh, from the H1B Guy. Um, but before we close out, Neil, um, really appreciate you taking time to join us here this afternoon and to share your story. Um, I'm glad to hear that uh, you are thriving uh, in Canada and that everything has, has worked out for you. Um, RF, as I've always told you, you know, greatly appreciate your partnership and your support. Our alignment here is mutual and, um, you know, always enjoy having you on. Look forward to potentially having you on, as you mentioned, uh, maybe towards the end of the year to talk about some of the changes as, as the details come out. Um, and, and we find out more on the, the tech talent strategy, that third bullet that, that you alluded to. Um, so thank you so much, Arf. Really appreciate you coming on again here today as well. Um, so with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and close this out and just wanted to let everyone know, again, today's live stream was brought to you exclusively by Mob Squad. Are you a technology professional facing U.S. work visa related challenges? Don't leave your fate up to chance. Our partner Mob Squad has a solution. 
Mob Squad helps technology professionals facing U.S. work visa-related uncertainty remain working with their current U.S. employer nearshore from Canada, as well as technology professionals from around the world who are seeking to find a rewarding opportunity in North America. Through their partnership with the Canadian government, they can obtain a Canadian work permit for you and your spouse in as little as four to six weeks. So whether you're looking to stay working with your current U.S. company or you want to find a new opportunity in Canada, please find out how the team at Mob Squad can help you via the link in the video description below. Join the squad. And again, also like to thank our partners, uh, perm-ads.com, as well as Path to Canada and Synthesis. So with that being said, I'd like to thank everyone um, who took time to join us here today. We really appreciate you jumping in here on this live stream. One last time, if you haven't already, please like this video, subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube, and click the bell for notifications. Again, Neil Arf, thank you so much for your time. I'm Robert. I'm the H1B Guy, your global source for all things H1B. Thank you, Robert. All right, Neil. Thanks, thank man. Really appreciate it.